So obviously, you know, I had a baby at the time, all of my friends were leaving for college. So that didn't happen for me. And when I did get to start school and, you know, work on my degree, I had already had three three kids at that point in time. And so I had a career and children and it wasn't, you know, me living on campus and rushing for a sorority and getting to do all of these fun things. It was, it was hard work. And so my friend was just like, what, why are you so down on yourself? Look at everything that you've accomplished without having a college degree. Do you know how rare it is to be a chief operating officer of a healthcare system without a bachelor's? Hey mamas, welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast, where we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mother at the same time. I am your host, Lawan Moses, and I am helping you find the freedom to live. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey friends, welcome back to the More Than a Mother podcast. This is your host, Lawan Moses, and I'm back with you again for another great episode. If this is your first time listening at More Than a Mother podcast, We are helping moms to create a life outside of motherhood without sacrificing their family time. We believe that moms can pursue their dreams and be great moms at the same time. My guest today is Nicole Kreitz, a mom and an entrepreneur who ventured into starting her own healthcare consulting business. Nicole shares her journey today of going from teen mom and front desk receptionist to working her way up to becoming office manager and eventually chief of operations in a medical office until she decided to venture into her own business and build her own healthcare consulting business, which now helps doctors all around the world with their own business practices. Nicole was very candid in sharing her story today, and she even shared parts of her story that she had never publicly shared before. This is truly an inspirational interview and one full of many tips and motivations to help us realize that sometimes we are often our own worst critics and are too hard on ourselves. Let's dive into my interview with Nicole. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm doing well, Lawan. How are you? I am doing well also. Welcome to the More Than a Mother show. I am so happy to have you here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So before we get started with your interview, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience. Sure. My name is Nicole Kreitz. I am a former medical business executive who recently transitioned into healthcare consulting, mostly because of my desire to help physicians cultivate a successful medical practice. I am the founder of Arised Management Solutions, Metasource Revenue Cycle Management, and one of the founding partners of 616 Technology. Uh, currently, I live in a small suburb just west of Dallas, Texas, with my husband, our three sons, and our four rescue pups. Oh, you have four puppies. That's so awesome. They're a mess. I don't know <laughs> which is worse, the boys or the dogs. They're, they're kind of, they're all there in one big mess. I could only imagine three boys <laughs> and four pups. I'm sure there's never a dull moment. Never. Yes, and it sounds like you're doing a lot of great things with your business, but before we get into all of that, at More Than a Mother, we believe that you can pursue your dreams and be a great mom at the same time. 
also, I believe in storytelling and that when we share our stories that we kind of empower yeah. others to and uplift others to kind of share their stories and see that they can make it through whatever they have going on at that time. So that being said, would you mind sharing your transformational moment, your aha moment with the audience? Sure, sure. It's a bit ironic, actually, because my aha moment didn't come organically like you normally hear. My aha moment happened kind of in the middle of a time where I was really beating myself up over not having met, I guess, this arbitrary level of success that I felt I should have achieved at that particular point in my life. So for several years, I had this very precise picture in my head of what a successful career should look like and where I should be when I hit, you know, 35 years old. And when I turned 35, I still didn't feel like I met that goal. So I was pretty down on myself. Luckily, I have a friend who is not afraid to tell me when I'm being ridiculous. So as a side note, if you don't have a blunt friend, you need to get yourself one because we all need that person who won't hesitate to put us in check when we're being silly. So after a very candid conversation with her, I kind of just took a step back and I was able to get out of my way long enough to acknowledge that while things didn't look picture perfect the way that for some reason, I felt they needed to. I had actually met about you know 95% of the goals that I had set for myself. So I just needed to adjust that expectation. And once I did that, it was it was all it kind of just all fell into place. It, it's kind of like it meant to. It was meant to happen that way. I guess is is the best way to say it. So just kind of embracing that the preconceived notion wasn't going to happen, it helped me move forward and position myself to where I was able to continue building and grow something that I was proud of. That's great. And isn't it just amazing how we can set these expectations for ourselves and then we kind of just discount all the work and all the accomplishments that we have made in the course of our life because we tend to look at all the things that we haven't done versus those all the greatness that we have done. I mean, it's just amazing how we set ourselves up like that. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you on that front. I feel, especially as women and mothers in particular, we always try to hold ourselves to this unrealistic standard, this picture of what, you know, a storybook version of a mom should be or what a storybook version of a career woman should be. And we don't allow ourselves the latitude to pivot or change direction or expand upon what that actually looks like in the real world. Right, because we do have these fairy tale definitions and we set these unrealistic expectations and we kind of set ourselves up for failure because we're always trying to reach, reach, and reach instead of just being kind of satisfied and content with the levels that we do obtain or attain and get to. And I think it's great how you mentioned having that outside perspective and having that friend or whomever it is in your life that can kind of come in and say, hey, look at what you really have going on. Because sometimes it takes that outside perspective to kind of help you change the way that you look at things. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. Because when we're inside of it, when we're in all of it, it's kind of hard to see 
from the outside looking in. So it's great to have that friend or that person that you can bounce those ideas off that's going to be honest with you. Yeah, it's funny the the grace that you give other people, you don't tend to allow yourself to have. And so changing your mindset is a very impactful and powerful thing, which is probably why it's, it's difficult to do. You know, when you really get into the realm of trying to accomplish this and accomplish that and make sure this kid has this going on and that kid has that going on and, you know, did I start the laundry? Did I wash the dishes? Did I get dinner prepared? You just get so engulfed in all of these expectations that you have for yourself that you forget that at the end of the day, you're human. And so you're going to forget things. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to fail. And that's okay. Right. And that is okay. And we forget that it's okay. Because as you said, we don't tend to give ourselves that same grace that we give to other people. Correct. Correct. So when you were on this journey and your friend kind of said, hey, you have accomplished all of this, like your expectations, you have these great expectations set and you keep pushing yourself, stop being so hard on yourself. Like, how did you start to change your mindset and kind of shift so that you could start to see things differently? You know, I don't know if there was one specific thing. I think that it comes with just time and reflection. And, you know, again, touching back on the things that we allow and don't allow as moms, the latitude that we that we sometimes don't give ourselves, we tend to look at me time as being selfish. Right. Especially for me. And for some reason, it took me so long to realize that self-care is not negative. So whoever came up with the term self-care, I think they're genius because it's it's just a more positive way to say selfish. Selfish has so many negative connotations tied to it that you never, as a mom, you never want to say, oh, I'm just going to be selfish today because how dare you, right? Right. But self-care is, I mean, it's essential if you're going to be a healthy, successful mother. Put the, the career aside, put you know everything else aside. If you're going to really be able to take care of your children and nourish them and treat them the way that they needed to be they need to be treated in order to be successful adults, you have to spend that time with yourself. And so it's not about being selfish so much as it as it is just the self-care aspect. So a lot of it was just allowing myself to take time alone. If I had a free moment, instead of saying, oh, I can run and do this errand or I can go and do this errand, I would take that moment to just reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was really big. It was a really big part of it. I became a mom when I was 17. Okay. So I went from being a child to having a child. Yes. And there was no in between. And so that phase in your life where you get to be selfish and, you know, just go out and do what you want to do and sleep late and you know, stay up all night and have fun. I I completely skipped that. You know, I went from high school to being a mom and being a wife and working. And so it was survival mode for me. 
I didn't have that time to really reflect on who I am as a person, what I need as a person, and what I should be doing to be a successful mom and a successful career person. So it probably happened for me a little bit later in life, (laughs) you know, the learning how to take care of myself and just acknowledge that sometimes I need the me time. Uh, But I finally got there. And so using that time to reflect and just kind of think about, you know, the things that I've accomplished and, and how, how that looks for me in reality versus how I think it should have looked, you know, in my head was, it had a big, it had a big impact on me. Right. And I can definitely relate to that becoming a mom myself at 18. So I can relate to that survival mode and always setting those expectations and really being kind of hard and critical on ourselves. And that may play a role into it because becoming moms at such a young age, we know we have to work harder or responsible for another life. We have these goals that we want to obtain that we're really just in that hustle mode and grind mode to get to that next level. So it's so easy when you don't have all those things, it's so easy to get caught up in your family and all the things you have going on. But when you're in that survival mode and you're so used to taking care of everyone and taking care of everything just to make it to those goals and expectations that you set, I mean, it's so easy to just get lost in all of that. No, absolutely. And, you know, to touch on that a little bit, you, as a teenage mom, you know, Unfortunately, nowadays, it's a lot, it's a lot more commonplace. But when it happened to me when I was a teenage mom, it was not the norm, you did not normally see young moms, you did not normally see teenage girls who were pregnant. So there was a lot of exclusion happening. It wasn't something that people um, could relate to. It wasn't something that they would even acknowledge publicly a lot of the times. And so it was something that, that I, I kind of struggled through by myself. Mm-hmm. And then you go into, I actually had a, a school counselor tell me that I was going to be nothing more than a statistic. Wow. So, yes. you know, hearing that at such a young age, while you're still really forming your opinion of yourself and then going through something as traumatic as, as being a mom at 17 it, it was very impactful. And so that became kind of the, I guess, the driving force behind my motivation was I refuse to just be a statistic that will not be me. Right. And so obviously, you know, I had a baby at the time, all of my friends were leaving for college. So that didn't happen for me. And when I did get to start school and, you know, work on my degree, I had already had three ch- three kids at that point in time. And so I had a career and children and it wasn't, you know, me living on campus and rushing for a sorority and getting to do all of these fun things. It was, it was hard work. And so my friend was just like, what, why are you so down on yourself? Look at everything that you've accomplished without having a college degree. Do you know how rare it is to be a chief operating officer of a healthcare system without a bachelor's? I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Yes. And it took her, I guess, delivering it to me in that, that point of view for me to really get it. Because in my head, I'm thinking, I'm in my 30s and I still haven't completed my bachelor's. I'm so far behind and I'm such a loser and what is wrong with me? Right. But then she's like, no, 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 no. Hold up. You are a healthcare executive without a degree. That means you actually worked hard. You did it on your own without the help of professors, without the help of, 
you know, that shining degree on your resume to help push you forward. And, you know, it's still something that, that I feel is, I wouldn't say a disadvantage, but I still feel like even in today's day and age, people will automatically discount you without having met specific metrics that they think are the normal steps to becoming XYZ. Right. Um, So it's still something that I struggle with, but not as much, you know, not as much because I do acknowledge that, you know, after her kind of shaking some sense into me, I am able to acknowledge that, you know, I didn't do too bad. Yeah, I don't, you didn't do too bad at all, but it's just amazing how those messages kind of, and I had that same similar story with that driving force of, I just refuse to be a statistic. And I think that when we get that message in our head early, that we're always pushing for more, always pushing for more, showing ourselves, showing up in excellence just to make it to that next level that it took your friend saying, hey, do you realize what you have done? And you don't have that traditional degree that you kind of were able to step back and say, oh, wait, I did. I have accomplished it. I'm not a statistic. I've pretty much done very well for myself. But it's just how we get caught in that mindset because of something that you were told when you were 17 and just saying how that kind of paved the way. I mean, you found that motivation and that's the kind of motivation that I developed inside myself as well. But just kind of that one message just kind of paved that way for you that even you weren't able to step outside of it. So someone said, wait a minute, look, this is what you've done. So. No, uh, that's that's absolutely the case. And as women and as mothers, we don't give ourselves nearly enough credit for our accomplishments. And I don't know if that's kind of an amalgamation of our own guilt, which, you know, in your series on mom guilt, you touched on it a couple of times. And it could be it could be a piece of mom guilt, but it could also just be a piece of the way that we tend to just keep moving forward and not reflect enough on where we've been. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking to hit that next mile marker, achieve that next goal, you know, get to that next milestone that we don't take a second to give a, ourselves credit for what we've already accomplished and what we've done to get to where we are now. Mm-hmm. That's good. I've never looked at it that way. And that is, that's really good. Just having to that moment of reflection, because we don't. And I mean, we're always in such a rush, rush, rush. But I mean, at the time that we're recording this with this pandemic going on, it kind of forced us to all slow down. So a lot of us are having time to sit back and kind of reflect on things we've done. And we're able to use these moments to just kind of slow that pace down. But it's always been just that big hustle, that big grind that just keep going. But it is a lot that you can discover about yourself and about a lot of things when you do take that moment to pause and reflect. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Hey there. Yes, you listening right now. I truly hope you are enjoying this episode. I thank you for tuning in each and every week and for showing your support for this show. Your support truly does not go unnoticed. If you truly love this podcast and you are enjoying this episode, please remember to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I want to get this podcast to as many moms as possible so they can start to experience the greatness that you are experiencing on this journey and so they can have this empowerment, this support, this encouragement poured into them each day. So thank you for tuning in and be sure to stop by and subscribe and leave a review. Now back to this great episode. So how do you feel that these lessons have helped you, the things that you've learned over the years and 
just coming to fruition and everything. How do you feel that's helped you make the transition into being a business owner and those type of things? Oh my gosh. There's so many different points there. Let me see if I can zone in on a couple because my mind is going crazy with it right now. I definitely think that being, being a mother, especially a mother of multiple children helps in my industry, healthcare is, is always changing and it, it never slows down. Obviously, with the current pandemic that we're dealing with, it's a great example of, you know, you see the stories of, of your first responders and of your healthcare workers and what they're going through and how they're having to adjust and improvise just to get through the day. And isn't, isn't that not the definition of motherhood? Adjust right. and improvise to yes. get through the day, right? So I really do feel like the two go hand in hand. The expectation piece of it, adjusting your expectations is big. And the fact that it takes such precedent in my career and also in motherhood is, I don't understand why it took me so long to figure it out because I do that every day. I'm constantly having to adapt and change, adapt and change. So the reason that the the fact that it took me so long to give myself the grace for that is I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with me. I must have been just walking around with my eyes closed, but they, they definitely go hand in hand. The lessons that I've learned in healthcare can be applied at home. The lessons that I've learned as a mom at home can be applied in healthcare. It's just learning when to kind of sit back and let things unfold on their own. Mm-hmm. And then knowing when you have to step in, for instance, with your children, every now and then you, you have to let them fall. You have to let them fail. That way they know not to continue that behavior or not to do X, Y, Z the next time. And with with the office, with the staff, when you're leading staff, when you're training managers, when you're working with physicians who are right out of school or developing a practice, you know, from scratch, a lot of times you have to know when to let them figure these things out on their own and know when it's time for you to step in. I struggle with that because I'm very type A. And so I always want to step in. I always just want to get it done, squared away and move on to the next thing. But in order for the people around you to be successful, you have to just kind of take a step back and, and observe for a little bit. So I feel like being a mom, that's basically what we do every day. You have to let your children learn. But yeah, it translates very easily into the healthcare industry very easily. It does. And it seems like they run parallel with each other, just the way that you kind of broke it down right there. They do. They often do. Specifically, I work with surgeons. So most of the time, they're not thinking about how the bills are getting paid at the office or how you know the patient's running from, from the waiting room to the front desk to the triage to the exam room. They're worried about getting that patient well. So when you're in a situation where a surgeon is also starting their own practice and needing to learn how to run their own practice, it's like a deer in the headlights. You know, it's like you came home from work and you asked your 16-year-old son, have you done your chores yet? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I was supposed to do chores today as if it's not a regular part of their routine. You know, you walk into an an office and you ask the surgeon, it's been a year. Have you done evaluations on your staff yet? And he just looks at you like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they, they need evaluations. You know, it's, it's very similar. It's very similar. Right. 
So tell me more about what you do with your health, because you were touching on it briefly there with working with Surgeon, but tell me more about what you're doing with your healthcare consulting. Sure. So I started at the front desk of a very small practice. I was the front desk receptionist. And just through the years, I I worked my way up. I I got a few healthcare certifications and then became an office manager, then a director of operations, and then ultimately the chief chief of operations for a practice in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And what I found was while I loved working in the clinic and I loved being hands-on with the patients, what I actually enjoyed most was the development of the employees around me. I found that just by working with them uh, one-on-one, they would realize that they had hopes and dreams that were bigger than, I guess, than what they were working in at that moment. So, for example, one of the girls that worked with me 10 years ago at, at this small office, she started at the front desk, and now she's director of operations over a hospital. And she called me and told me, you know, I never thought that this is something that I'd want to do. I never wanted to manage people. I never wanted to have this much responsibility. But, you know, seeing you do it and watching this and watching that. And, you know, she gave specific examples of things that we worked on together as far as her career development. It it kind of made her realize that she did want to do it and she could do it. So just seeing that interacting with people on a day-to-day basis was having an impact for them that I didn't realize beforehand. And so I I really enjoyed that. I loved seeing their growth. I loved helping drive that passion forward for them. And so I transitioned out of the healthcare executive role and into more of a consulting um, position because I was able to make that multifaceted. So I could consult on the development of the business, which I really enjoy doing. But I could also consult with the leadership team. You know, I could give them tips and tricks on navigating various situations that you don't normally run across. But when you do, it needs to be addressed pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really enjoy that. I enjoyed the development of the business, but also the development of the people. So that can that can translate out of healthcare. It can it can cross over to several specialties or different types of companies. So I didn't want to just pigeonhole myself into the medical practice realm of life. So I had to kind of take a step back and make a pretty big decision uh, to walk away from that executive position in healthcare and open my own company that would allow me to expand that. Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's great that you were able to have that vision and then just be able to walk away from that and just and you telling that story from going from front desk receptionist to chief of operations. Yes, that really is a big deal. And then you're able to expand it even further to say not only I've gathered these skills from being to being chief of operation, now I'm able to walk away and take these skills and kind of help develop these practices and these leadership teams. And that's not something that you hear about that's happening very often. No, it's not. And that was actually part of the reason that, you know, I learned not to be so rigid with the picture that I had in my head versus the picture that reality looks like, 
because had I gone directly into college and gotten, you know, a healthcare administration degree or a business degree or what have you, I wouldn't, I would have lost that experience. I would have lost that front desk to office manager to director of operations. And I would have missed out on, you know, a plethora of knowledge that I now can take with me. Um, and I feel like more so than anything else, the ability to relate to your team on every level brings with it a value that a degree doesn't necessarily have. You know, a lot of times, it, I mean, it happens every day across every company that you have a manager or an executive come to you and say, well, why aren't you doing things this way? Or this is how things need to be done. They don't really know because they've never worked in your position. And so they're reading from a textbook or from, you know, a, a protocol sheet that has been developed for them, but they've never actually worked that position. And so they don't, they don't necessarily know why you've modified the procedure or why you have to adapt to a different way of doing things, but you do because you work the position, you're there every day. So being in a, in a field where I was able to work that position before managing that position brings with it a certain level of knowledge, but also respect from your team, I believe. There's nothing that I would ask of my team that I wouldn't do myself or that I couldn't do myself. So I think that that's earned me a little bit of, of grace with them as well. Yeah, I think so, because you can relate. And as you said, it puts a different perspective when you've walked through those different roles And you know what it's like to do that job and be in that position. And then you kind of just worked your way up. So you have that unique insight to all these different roles and all these different functions within an office. So that that way, when you're going in and helping people do these things, they kind of see you in a different light and you can relate to them in a different light because you have walked the path and you can relate and you're not just doing textbook learning, so to speak. Absolutely. Yes. Have you been wondering how I got to the point I am today? If you've been listening to this podcast, you have heard me chronicle my journeys, my struggles, the obstacles that I have overcome to really make it to this point today. And now I'm excited to announce to you that I've packaged this all together in my book, Rising Above Statistics, How to Overcome Obstacles and Achieve Success Against All Odds. This is my story of my journey as a young mom going from depression to determination. This is the story and journey that you need to help you push past your obstacles and challenges so you can achieve your own personal success. I mean, let's face it, we all face challenges in life, we lose sight of our dreams, and we become unsure of what steps to take next. We even start to feel stuck, discouraged, and desperately in need of a plan. So whether you're currently dealing with challenges and trying to find your way out of a situation, or If you found the way to push through, but you're in desperate need of a plan, Rising Above Statistics will help you to create that plan to overcome the obstacles in your life and achieve success on your own terms. In the pages of this book, I give you the steps that I followed to transform from a teen mom dealing with depression and systems to a successful businesswoman living a life of boldness, purpose, and authenticity. Through my stories, my tips, even activities and guided exercise, I show you how you can strengthen your sense of self, reclaim your personal power, and rise above any challenges you may encounter. In the pages of this book, you'll discover 
why your mindset matters, how you can take ownership of your life, how to overcome unexpected life challenges, and one thing we often forget is how to forgive and be free from our past. This book goes beyond my personal story. The pages are filled with tips, tools, and strategies that you can use today to create your own personal success story. So if you are in need of a plan to help you get unstuck and transform your life, then Rising Above Statistics, How to Overcome Obstacles and Achieve Success Against All Odds is the book that you need in your life today. Because with determination and with a plan, you can succeed no matter what you may face. Head on over to LawanMoses.com and grab your copy of my book today. To make it easy for you, the link is in the show notes. Just click that link, push the button, and get your order in today so that you can have your own copy of Rising Above Statistics in your hands and start making that life-changing transformation today. Now back to this great episode. So as a mom and you're running your business and doing all these great things, how are you finding that you manage life and manage everything you have going on? I, I don't. That's the secret. I don't. <laughs> I definitely do not have it down to a science. Every day is an adventure. Every day there's something on the to-do list that gets forgotten. My laundry is never done. The boys get way too much screen time on their electronics and I always need a nap. Always. But you know what? We make it work. We very much are a team in my household. We all have a role to play, you know, especially now that school's closed down and I've added homeschool teacher to my resume. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I do lean on my oldest to help with his little brothers. And you know what? Sometimes when my high schooler has a question, he has to Google it because I don't know, you know, how many years it's been since I've been in high school. Yes. Who knows? So managing it all... We don't. I don't think that anybody really ever can. If you've met somebody or you come across somebody who can manage it all, please introduce me because I would love to learn. Uh, but I think you just have to let go of the expectation that you that you're going to get it all done within you know this allotted time frame and just it is what it is. You, you got to make it work. Yes, make it work. And that's one of the reasons why I love asking this question because so many people have it in their head that people, they look at, they see people online or social media or wherever, and they have this idea that she's a mom, she's doing a business, she's doing X, Y, and Z, and she's managing it all. And I love asking this question because everyone that I've asked the question to is like, I don't, or I don't know how, or I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. So I really like that because it brings that transparency level that somehow we make it work. We do the best that we can and that there really yeah. is no such thing as managing at all. But that's such a script that we kind of tell ourselves as mothers when we see other moms doing things like, oh, she has it all together. She has such a system. And it's like that kind of peels back that layer. Like, no, we're just making it work like you are. Yes. Well, and you know what? I think partly it's it's the fact that I've had three children now. And so my youngest is 10. And so when my oldest was my only child and he was in school, I thought that I could manage it all. I thought that, hey, I can be on the PTA board and I can volunteer and I can do this and I can still work and I can get him here and we can do baseball and soccer. And it was just chaotic. And I failed a couple times, a couple hundred times. And then by the time you get to the second and third child, you realize, mm, 
I'm just going to write a check for whatever that fundraiser is. We are not about to sell cookie dough. I am not about to pick up wrapping paper. We're not doing the fun run. I'm, I'm just not. So you tell me the goal you're trying to reach. I'll divide that by however many kids are in the class and I will write that check because that's just, it's not in my, it's not on my schedule. It's not in my wheelhouse. It's not going to happen. I'm not the Pinterest mom. Um, the tell me how much it costs and, and I'll buy it from wherever I can, mom. I am with you on that. My youngest is 10 also, and she bugged me all this year. Like, I'm kind of glad this school kind of shut down because her thing was, when are you going to join the PTA? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I am not joined. But mom, no. Do they no, need money? Right. Mm-hmm. Do they need a I donation? I'll pay the membership dues. I will be a member of the PTA by name only. And that's where it stops. Yes. I mean, you just have to learn to do what works for you. And as you said, you kind of figure that out. That first one is that's your experimental child. You're going to do everything. You go all in. But as you said, by the time you get to two and three, it's like, "Eh, okay. (laughs) I always tell people that whoever came up with the, the marketing pitch for loves diapers, you live, you learn, you get loves. Yeah. Genius. They were definitely a parent because that is so accurate. Yes, isn't it? It is definitely. So what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your life journey so far? There are a couple of, of big defining moments, I think. Right now, it's very rewarding for me, I guess, life during COVID-19 to be able to have the flexibility of my schedule to be home and be present for, for my children. You know, it it's kind of funny because we're saying how lucky the kids are for being home. They can work from home. They can sleep late. You know, it's a lot more relaxed. But I think we lose sight of the fact that it's also a bit traumatic for them. This is not what their norm is. This is a new norm. And so I'm glad that I have the flexibility in my schedule to be here and work work with them through that. I know that there are a lot of, of parents, particularly parents who work in healthcare that don't have that luxury. I mean, when you're an essential employee, but then you also have three children at home who are trying to do work in a new atmosphere, it's, it's got to be very stressful. So I think it's rewarding for me to be able to be a part of this with them. But also, I guess just the little things. When when my children acknowledge the little things that um, really aren't little things, I guess, being a, a working mom and being able to make the class parties for Christmas or Valentine's Day or end of the year, being able to show up on Saturday and catch the opening pitch of the baseball game or you know, my youngest just tested for his black belt for Taekwondo and, you know, being able to move things around and rush to get there for that. Those are the little things that, that take a lot of time and effort to coordinate, but they're very impactful. And so hearing my son say, mom, I'm so glad that, that you're here at my, you know, end of the year party or my Valentine's day party, you know, so-and-so's mom never gets to come. Or I feel bad for so-and-so because he's never gotten to come to the lead table at lunch and eat with anybody. And so it's, it's one of those things that, that they acknowledge. And the days where I'm stressed about it, the days where I'm running around and trying to figure out why am I even beating myself up to go and have a cafeteria lunch at this kid's school when, you know, he's just going to run off and play with his friends anyway. But he, he sees it and he acknowledges it. And it, it's a big deal to him. So that's very rewarding for me because I know that I've made a difference. And so when he's an adult, 
he will also strive to make that difference for his children um, because he's seen, you know, what it feels like on both sides to see his friends not have that contribution from their parents, but he got to. So right. I, I really like that piece of it. Yeah, that is a great piece. I mean, that is truly a blessing to be able to show up for those moments because those are the things that I always tell people. Those are the things that kids remember. I mean, so many people are out here trying to buy things and fill up their lives with stuff and trips and things of that nature. But it's those small moments like that, that when your child grows up, they are going to remember that. Yeah, absolutely. They'll even come up to me and say, hey, remember on the field trip and blah, blah, blah. And I don't even remember going on the field trip. Right. But this child remembers that I was there and I had a group and this is how many kids were in my group and this is what we did. And so obviously it's it's landed. It's it's hit home for them. So I'm I'm very glad that I've been able to do that. That's great. So what would be a tip that you could offer to a mom who may be struggling right now to kind of find her way or manage life and just kind of make it through right now? Just do what you do, do what you need to do to survive. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to fail. You're not going to be perfect and nobody's going to judge you for it. Obviously, your children are going to love you no matter what. So it's a big, it's a big thing to remember that you can cut yourself some slack. Just take a breath, maybe a few moments to yourself. It's okay if the kids have cereal for dinner, they'll still survive. You know, don't beat yourself up over it. I think that a testimony to that would be, and this is, I guess, a little bit of insight that I don't think I've ever shared with anybody, but when my son was born, my oldest son, like I mentioned before, I was 17 and I didn't have uh, much, much support Um, around me. I didn't have a system. I didn't have people who I could really turn to. So there were some, some days where we were absolutely in survival mode. The, The city of Dallas had this small, I guess, shelter type place called the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And if you needed help, you could go and you could volunteer. Uh, You could take parenting classes, watch instructional videos. And for everything that you did, you received a ticket. And then you could use your tickets to buy baby formula or diapers or clothes. And so that's what, I mean, we had to do that a couple of times just to make it through. And so those were very difficult days. Those were definitely days where we were in survival mode. But now, flash forward, it's almost 18 years. He'll be 18 on May 1st, if you can believe that. And he doesn't know this yet, but I actually went on Monday and I purchased a brand new car for him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's a struggle, and it took me several years to work my way out of it, but I worked my way out of it, you know, and and we're still working, and there are still things that are developing and still things that we are trying to accomplish for ourselves, but if you would have asked that 17-year-old girl sitting at the shelter watching parenting videos if she was ever going to be able to afford to buy her child a brand new car, I, I would have said no. I would have said that's probably not going to happen. And I would have been surprised if you would have told me that, you know, I would ever have a bank account with more than $50 in it. So you never know what's in store and you never know what's around the corner. So don't get caught up in trying to, to manage it all or be everything to everybody. It's okay not to be okay. Right. 
Well, thank, I truly appreciate you sharing that. And I think that that is such an impactful moment just to leave off with that message right there to do what you can and do what you need to do to survive. And I appreciate you sharing a story that you may have never told publicly, sharing that with our audience, because I feel that will help reach someone who may be struggling and right now trying to piece it all together and just to see as you have shared with us from that front desk receptionist team mom to the managing the operations to now being entrepreneur with their own business. So that is such a great success story. And I appreciate you joining me and sharing that with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So where can my audience find you online? Well, if you're on Instagram, you can find me. The handle is at the Nicole Kreitz. Nicole has an H in it. So it's N-I-C-H-O-L-E-C-R-I-T-E-S. The same handle name for Facebook, facebook.com slash the Nicole Kreitz. Um, or you can find me on the website, erisedms.com, E-R-I-S-E-D-M-S.com. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link to all that in the show notes so that everyone can easily find you. So again, I thank you, Nicole, for joining me today. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to LawanMoses.com. I love for us to stay in touch. Make sure you leave your email address so I can send you inspiration, tips, and the latest updates. Or if you prefer, text the word more, that's M-O-R-E, to 302-440-4632. We have some great things coming up and I don't want you to miss a thing. Thanks again. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, keep pressing because victory is yours.